Cut. <laughs> oh, fucking cut. Now I'm gonna you go buy, no, I'm, no, I'm gonna go purchase one. That's the problem. This this ain't for me. I was like, you no, know, the background is mom and dad was addicted to crack cocaine. Okay. Right? Hi, how are you? All praises to the most high. I am Doc Holiday, and welcome to the Doc Holiday Show. You know what this show is all about. It's all about uplifting strong black men, black women, black teen, black child, black royalty. All about the positivity. And today I am joined by a black man, black royalty. My guy, Oscar Pruitt. They call him funny man. Oh, I call him funny man. Oh. OV, what's up, man? Man, what's up, man? I am happy to be here with the one and only Doc Holiday. First of all, bro, all praises to the most high, man. I'm glad to have you on the show, man. It's an honor, man. Uh, you know, I know all about you, but I I'm going to give the people a quick look. You know what I'm saying? Cliff notes. You got your own heating and air conditioning. I mean, and, bro, you know what, man? Charge it to my my, my education, man. I just figured out what Opox meant, dog. <laughs> Oscar Pruitt. Oscar Pruitt. Air conditioning. Heating. heating services. No, I just figured it out, bro. You know what yeah. I'm saying? I was, I was like, why he name me? Oh, Pops. Then like two, they're like, dumbass, boy. I said, damn, that's him. But anyway, man, he has his own air conditioning, but and you're a comedian. So do you do you, you do the you do the air on the side or you a comedian, but you you do comedian on the side because you're great at both of them, man. I appreciate that. I I don't see anything as a side. I mean, I think I do both and I try to do it to the best of my ability. Like you, what you do, you do it, you do more than one thing. And you're good at it. Motivation speaker. I've seen you mentor brothers and you deliver uncut raw facts for our people. You good at that. So I just can't say you do anything on the side. You good at all, right? I was actually trying to, you know, crack a, a joke. You know what I'm saying? It, I ain't good at joking. You are. Because I, I know, I know. That, 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 <laughs> whenever you got to explain a joke, obviously, it, right. it's not working. That's so, your lane. Because, no, you working. don't do anything on the side, man, because you're heating the air conditioning business. Extremely successful. I want to start with that, man. But first, tell the people, uh, Oscar. Where you from, man? Give me your background. I'm originally born in Clarksville, Mississippi, but based on the amount of food stamps that was given between <laughs> Chicago, Illinois, and whatever was going on in Delta, that was my mother moved me from. As they was giving fifty dollars more in Chicago, we lived down, we lived up there. A hundred dollars more, <laughs> Mississippi was down there. We bounced back. It was it was nothing to do with crime, or gang banging. It was food stamps. <laughs> it was what it was. That she kept moving back. That would happen. Now, what, what, what brought you to Memphis, man? What brought you out of Memphis? What brought me to Memphis was uh, I wanted to go to school in air conditioning heating, and I uh, I accidentally robbed a guy and had to get out of Clarksville. That's what it was. <laughs> How the hell you accidentally rob a guy? I didn't mean to. Okay. It was basically uh, I was with some guys, and I didn't know they was robbing people. I'm just driving. Hey, man, stop right here. We'll be right back. That's what it was. <laughs> I was getting out of the car robbing people. And I said, I didn't want to live that life. And uh, he found out it was my car. So I sold the car and got on the bus, came to Memphis. <laughs> oh, damn, bro. I'm glad the damn statutes of limitations are over, man. But, <laughs> yeah, hey, speaking of heating and air, man, you know, you have what I say, man, is not only an essential skill, man. That's that's one of the best skills and best trades to have because I always want heat and air, yeah. air conditioning. You know, just like now, it feels good in here. And I tell people, man, it's good, you know, it's, it's good to go to school and get that, that, that book knowledge. But to have a trade and to be able to do something with your hands, that's something I wish – I was able to do, but what made you want to go into heating and air? Well, I was, uh, I wanted to get heating and air uh, early. What happened was my uncle owned a little, what you call it, construction remodeling business in Clarkston, Mississippi. And I got to a point where, you know, I was just making $100 a week while I was in college, just driving, dropping off material. Then he said, hey, okay, nephew, stop giving checks out. So I'm just riding and I'm just looking at everybody check, looking at everybody check. And I looked at I like, people through the envelope. Yeah, I'm like, what? what? <laughs> okay, I know what the sheetrock got, mate. I know what the plumber, mate. 
What is a book? I didn't know what I didn't know how to say yeah, 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 it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A yeah. book? A hot rock? So I said, Mr. Hodge, what is a book? He laughed at me. He said, Well, I do air conditioning heat. I said, Let me see what you do. So I called my uncle, my granddad, and said, I ain't working with y'all tomorrow. I'm gonna go see what Mr. Hodge is doing. So I went with there and I like dropped out of school. I was done. I left upstate and never looked back. <laughs> so I just like, I'm done. So I like figure out where I can go to HVAC school. So I came with the Memphis, slept on my auntie couch, got put out, but I finished school. That's pretty much how pretty much how that worked out. Hey, but th- hey, but for real, talk talk about them obstacles, man, because apparently you had some coming from Clark yeah. there, then you said moving and coming here and Getting, you know, living yeah. with your aunt, getting kicked out of, and having to make a way for yourself because I'm pretty sure, you know, just like any other trade, any, any other thing you do, you got to get good at it. You got to get so, good at it. But the thing is with me was uh, I was fortunate to be around amazing black men. You know what I'm saying? Um, when I was put out my my aunt house, I bounced from a rooming house to the sawmill on South 3rd in Mallory. I don't know if y'all know what that. Right by a lot of burger. Yeah. You know, all the homeless is. people in South Mill sleep at. <laughs> yeah, that man. dude taught me how to be homeless. He's a little <laughs> man. You can't be dressed nice. You got to look like you're going through something. You know what I'm saying? You can't ask nobody for no money and use it right either. You got to look sad. The dude that <laughs> cool breeze taught me how to bed. You know what I'm saying? Uh, so, but on the real, uh, I bounced from a rooming house to uh, to the sawmill, and I ended up, you know, once I finished school, I met a guy that let me live. He's, he saw me, you know, struggling. He's like, yo, man, move in my duplex and pay me when you got school. So when I got a job, I started paying him rent, two twenty five a month. And my little country buddy didn't know how to pay rent. I was paying him every other month. <laughs> I ain't never made no money. I was yeah. buying alligators and going out kicking it. I was, I was doing the right thing. And uh, anyway, I, I went, uh, so I went and got an apprentice, and uh, I stayed with him. And before I know it, they uh, uh, I bust my butt, and I made them folks a lot of money. And they was trying to pay me way too early to top out because I knew how to talk to people. And that's all this is. No, heat and air, you got to be have good communication skills, good mechanical aptitude, and you got to show up on time. And I was able to do all three. Made them a lot of money. And uh, I left, and I worked with a guy named Rick. And I said, I don't know what I'm doing just yet. Like, I knew how to work in commercial, but I didn't know how to do residential. He's said, look, you stick with me for two years, you don't have to worry about it again. I worked him two years and never looked back. Uh, and broke out of my own. That was it. Now, how long have you, how long, when did you start Opox? How long? I started you... Opox in 2000. 2000. I started Opox in 2000, but I didn't, basically, I was working for, uh, I was in a union. I was working for uh, Opox. I started Opox part-time because everybody start doing work, you know, on the side. Yeah. That's true. Everybody going business, either your, your folks on the business, you're on the side. I'm on the side, and I started getting some of the calls, and then when I broke out on my own, I didn't know how to run a business. I knew how to fix stuff. I didn't know how to charge because I had people trying to pay me in cats, banana puddings. <laughs> uh, folks was hitting the train, bring me table legs and Jordans. I like, man, I don't need that. I need some money. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? I didn't know how to charge or run a business. I knew how to do the work. So it took me three years to learn how to do the. By starting 2000, when I when I came over Opox, this is a story. I was a big fan of Tupac Shakur, right? And I, like I said, I used to hang with thug dudes, but I was just the funny guy. I never did no street stuff. Don't look at me. I was yeah, just, yeah, 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 I, was yeah, just, yeah, I yeah. hung out with dudes that did all type of robbery and stuff like that. But I met Tupac when he before he got famous. I didn't really know. He was like, I was like, yo, that's Tupac. When I got older, I'm like, man, I met Tupac. He was just like, you know, on a what you call it, developmental prom- promo to whatever. Yeah. He was going around the Chitlin Circuit and this place called the uh, County Line in West Helena. Arkansas, right across the bridge. I know y'all know where it's at. Yeah, Helena, what's Helena? But a lot of yeah. rappers come through. Master P, uh, Three Six Mafia. A lot of rappers that first got started out came through there. And I met him, and he, but he was saying some things that was like way before my time, but was locked in my mind. So when he died, you know, of course, like every brother, I felt like I knew him. Yeah, yeah. But we yeah. crying and like, yo, they killed Tupac. 
So when I started my business plan, I was playing uh, Bone Thugs and Harmony, uh, Thug Love. I don't know if you remember that song. Yeah, man, Bone Thugs and yeah. Harmony, one of my favorite The chord was Pock, yeah. Pock, Thug Love, Pock, Pock. But my son was a little kid. He was saying Pop, Pop. Yeah. So I'm trying to write a business plan. Now. I'm like, okay, I'm trying to think about heat. I wrote Eric, this is heat now. And then I just wrote Pock. And I said, that's Pruitt AC. And then this came to me. I know it was given from God. It was Oscar Pruitt, Eric, this is and it wrote down, so that's why I came up, got the name Opox. Now, talk, t- talk about, you know, some of the, the hardships and the obstacles, because I always say, man, a lot of us say we want to own businesses, man, and really don't know how to start a business or operate a business. I'm pretty sure you was in that situation as well. You're successful now. You're doing some things. You still have to deal with some challenges. We're going to touch on that. But talk about, you know, I guess some of the, the low points where was it ever the time? The low like, points I can't do is this. I didn't have no money starting a business out. What's up? What did they do? It's on? No, that's me. Oh, okay. That's me. Okay. No, I wanted good. the wrong person. I know to do stuff like that, but yeah, you're yeah. right. It's all the phone. No, that, that, that's me. You know, all this going but on. So that's my wife calling me. I didn't have any money. So when I mentored brothers now, I said, look, bro, at least have at least three years salary put aside before you go into business. That stepping out on faith thing is good, but it's best to be show and know. You know what I'm saying? I didn't have any money. Uh, of course, my wife did not support me. Because we was young. We got married young. So she didn't know how to be a supportive wife. And I didn't know how to be a good husband. So that, that was some of my obstacles. Having four children, no daycare, not yes, having sir. a lot of family members, that was a problem. Uh, pretty much working for call to call, that was a problem. But I had a vision. Well, I had a vision of my Opox. I, I, when I, I just saw it. I never had a dream. I had homies just dream to play in football, basketball, whatever. I never had none of that. I had a vision. I just laid down outside and I looked up and they showed me how Opox was going to do. So I started operating that way. I stepped, I walked in faith. I had a raggedy station wagon with Opox on the side of everybody. Man, what is that? Opatches? <laughs> so they were like, what is that? Opatches? I'm like, no, it's Opox. Opox. Okay, okay, okay. But everybody was telling me it wasn't going to work. I left an $84,000 a year job to start my heating air business. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Everybody said it wasn't work. I took a major dip. The three years I was struggling, when I met Rick, Rick showed me how to be a heating air contract he showed me how to be self-employed then i learned how to to be a a business owner you know what i'm saying and employ people but the hardship i dealt with was not really racism but really it's a syndrome and i hate saying it but i know it's real i call it back porch syndrome yeah with black people no i started in south memphis and westwood those are my first clients and mm-hmm. it's kind of crazy 20 years later now their children are my clients but what's so crazy is i had brothers and sisters saying to me it wasn't gonna work and that hurt you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It hurt. You know what I'm saying? It's not going to work. When you hear it from your, your, your brothers, your sisters, your, your own pastor when you go on the train, like, y'all, brother, you need to keep your job. That's not going to work. I'm like, huh? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, So yeah, it's yeah. not going to work. So I, I had to deal with the naysayers and things like that. But the biggest obstacle I dealt with, with was uh, believing in something, knowing it's going to work, but there's no evidence right in front of you that it's working. You can't be gone all day, 14 hours, to bring your wife back $20. Yeah, <laughs> you facts, can't do that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? She don't want to hear that. Yeah. No, this is going to work. You can't. Then when you get some money, you got to go buy this tool. You gotta go, the truck might break down. You, you got to go through all that. So I, I dealt with a lot of obstacles. I had to deal with back porch Negroes, uh, not having no money, uh, not knowing how to run a business, uh, bringing my kids on job sites. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Hey, I just picked my baby, man. I'm be finished. <laughs> you might watch my kid yeah, while I go up in your So that's stuff I dealt with. And and it's the truth. That I, I, we don't do that now. Opox is structured. But when I first started out, we did all that stuff. But now, as I say, Opox is structured now and yeah. extremely successful. But yeah. I know you still have to deal with 
some things, having your own business. Not only that, being a successful business, but then being a black man as well, man. Yeah. Because a lot of times, some people see a black, like, I don't want to. Because even though you might do good work, we do do good work. I don't want to get yeah. my money so they can be successful. Just talk yeah. about some of those challenges well, you have to deal with. I had to deal with that. I'm going to tell you something, man. Like, um, I, I, uh, I had brothers work for me that didn't even know they was working for me. Because at one point in time, I, would, I didn't want to be in front of the camera. You know, I thought like a, a good drug dealer. I'm like, I, I shouldn't be seen. So I hired some guys to shoot commercials, white guys, whatever. And I had some guys work for me that didn't even know I, ran, I owned a company. And that was hilarious to me. When they found I owned a company, their whole attitude changed. They, they was like, yo, they just... Half of them was quitting. Half of them got attitude. But when they was working side by side by me. When y'all, they think y'all on the same level. Yeah. Now the jealousy popped in yeah, when they the found out you the owner. A lot of white guys have a problem working with, working with brothers. A lot of brothers have a problem with a brothers being successful. You know what I'm saying? But I've learned, like if I had most brothers my age, they look like I was born with money. No, I came, my dad, to my knowledge, had father 22 kids. You know what I'm saying? I don't, we never had no money. You yeah. know what I'm saying? But they think I was uh, born money. Now all this is like blood, sweat, and tears. You know what I'm saying? And then a lot of brothers were really cracking up about it is, this is true. I hate to say it. They would be, yes, sir, boss. Yes, sir, boss. When they see the pale brothers yeah. own companies. But when they see me, it's attitude. Yeah. Uh, we're showing up late. That's why a lot of brothers that own business, they're assholes. Can I say that one? Yeah, man. Okay, you I, too, I bro. Curse, no, but they, man. They're curse like a mother. The fact is, yeah. we, they, uh, we we invest in a lot of brothers invest. I've gotten gotten brother out of jail, uh, got the car that repo, put brother through drug counseling. You know what I'm saying? All type of stuff. Uh, a house out of foreclosure, and that's what we have to deal with. You know what I'm saying? But what I haven't found my success in uh, second chance offenders. I found great success. You catch a brother and I get out the halfway house. I actually hang out at the halfway house. Once a month. Yo, if you ain't brothers, they ain't rape or keep me. <laughs> <laughs> they ain't got no real violent. Yeah, no so real violent. Like, a, yeah. a, a, like only, and the reason why I do that, a lot of people trip. And also, OPOX also uh, get at least, uh, we try to aim for five brothers getting a record sponge a year. Mm -hmm. But uh, the fact is that the only between them and us is they got caught. I'm just being real. Yeah. So I'm not judging. Yeah. You know, I, ain't, I ain't talking about, you know, like raping or harming some older person or somebody can't defend themselves. Or murder. I'm just saying, like, if you call some dope, I ain't that don't bother me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying that do not bother me. Dope charges. I'm like, come on, because you, because <laughs> you already willing to work all the miles anyway. Come on, I got you. Know what I'm saying, I'm saying, I be honest with you, I love drug dealers. I mean, if you're a drug dealer, Craig Pettis, you have a job when you get out with Opox. <laughs> Big Beach, you got a job if you want to come. I'm being real. I, I love them. I'm, they the they the best workers. I'm killing nobody for my experience. Yeah. Okay, but now we got Opox, that's extremely successful, man. Yeah. But then you do the comedy thing, too, and you're extremely, extremely funny, man, and entertaining, man. Hey, how was that, man? Well, I'm, uh, I had no idea that, uh, that I was talented. I, was, I always wanted to do comedy. Uh, but uh, my barber, my former barber, because I got a female cut of hair now. Now, I never had a female cut of hair. You don't know what you miss, for real, because, you know, a guy, you can't look him in his eyes when he, when he lining you. You can look a female in the eyes when they lining you up. You know what I'm saying? You got oh, you got a different barber now? Yeah, I, I got a female. Oh, okay, okay. You got a fella. Okay. Well, you got to take the mic. Okay. Uh, am I close enough? I think they need to have mics made like breasts. This only reason I like being close <laughs> to But, yeah, but anyway, uh, my barber, Quinn McGowan, I used to say things, and he just stopped. 
and pause, wouldn't say anything. Then next day, like, hey, man, you need to be doing comedy. You be saying shit, I be thinking about it. It's funny. I never thought about it. It took me a while. And I always wanted to do comedy anyway. That was like my first passion. And when I got on stage, he was there, ladies and gentlemen, at the Funny Bone. The tuna could watch me bomb night after night. <laughs> but I just stayed with it. You know what I'm saying? Comedy is like everything else. Nobody is, is born catching, you know, 100-yard touchdown with three defenders on them. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It just takes skill and practice. I had to work at it. And it's something I wanted to do. And, hey, I think I got better. <laughs> no, man, you, I mean, you're funny. And I always want to, you know, I always ask a question, man. You know, you got to ever try to put them hands on you, man, because you comedians, man. Y'all might be cracking jokes at the well, wrong time sometimes. Well, I, I agree with that. But the fact <laughs> is, like, and then when the sense of time with just counsel or culture and everything, what I say is, like, I work for the crowd to take their mind away from their problems um, for a while. I always tell people that when I got, when I saw turning, the corner getting funny. I was doing a show in the Olive Branch, and the promoter was mad because everybody was bombing. When I say bombing, it was the worst I've ever been on. He pulled it to the back. I just got a text message. So and so many people coming. If ain't nobody coming, uh, we ain't paying y'all. Somebody might get whooped. He pulling out guns and everything. I'm like, oh my god! Like this, you like I didn't know what this here. And the headline was up. He from Nashville. I gave him the light. Give him the light. Mean it's time to get off stage. Yeah. I gave him the light. And I walked on stage, and it was quiet. I said, look, I'm going to apologize to y'all for this terrible show that we had just had, but I'm going to tell y'all about my life. And that's when people started laughing. When I just started being honest and yeah. started trying to create a joke. Exactly. I started, they just started, that's when they started laughing. When I started talking about my life, my, you know, like, people understand, I have no, nothing to show that I'm a successful businessman because I joke a lot. You know what I'm saying? When I tell people, like, how I learned how to run a business, like, I didn't read any management books. I just looked at successful black men strong black men on TV and mimicking it. Like, first time I had a, a drug addict, I did exactly what Mr. Clark did. I pulled him on the roof. Smoke crack, don't you, boy? You know what crack does? <laughs> Kill your brain cells. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, <laughs> I talked yeah, to him yeah, like that. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So I, I learned from Denzel to Morgan Freeman <laughs> and Martin Luther King. I like, this is how I'm going to talk to people. I'm talking to brothers just like, I don't know how to manage people. I still don't know how to manage people. You know what I'm saying I'm terrible at managing people, <laughs> but still though, bro, you gotta have you gotta have big balls to be a com comedian, man. Because I say that, bro. I mean, you know, I, I I speak in front of people, and a lot of time when I talk to the crowd, and people don't understand, you, they think you looking at them. I just be looking over their head, man, and just be, but you know, just be scanning. But you, you gotta be funny, bro. What I do is I find three people in the audience, and everybody's eavesdropping on our conversation. Gotcha. Make it I, personal. I make it personal. Like, I'm more of a conversationalist when I do comedy, and the thing is, like. If you can't relate to people, you have nothing to offer them. You know what I'm saying? Like, anybody can talk about how much money they got, what type of car. But can you talk about, like, yo, I don't want to go to work this morning, but I got these bills. Can you talk about how these kids get your nerve? Can you talk about how much you love your wife, but that big booty chick on Instagram, who <laughs> picture you always like it. You know what I'm saying? Not loving, liking, baby. You should clarify that. <laughs> Man, women don't give a damn about that, brother. Like button, this love button to them because your ass looking. Because I so got in trouble just the other day, man. I just popped my phone up. And it was a website, man. It, and I, <laughs> my wife laying in the bed. She, man, she just got fire hot, dog. But I feel you, know, man. But honestly, man, what you do is uh, I give you a huge salute, not only on your business, but doing comedy, but you're still doing some other things as well. And as you said, you're employing other yeah, brothers and lifting them up, and also, man, you got kids, man. That, you know, they help. You know, your young yeah. boys help run. They yeah, help my, run you. Yeah, my company. son and my daughter, and I have a, a nephew that works for me, 
And that's a blessing to see. Like, I didn't ask my son to eat in there. I had no idea I had a type of impact on him. Because I didn't want to do nothing my dad was doing. Like, my dad tried to make me work on cars. I look at that oil in my fingernail. I'm going to the house to read a book. Yeah. <laughs> that's me. That was me. I hated working on cars with a passion. But, my like, I never made my son do it. I asked my son, what do you want to do? He said, want to go to college. So I said, okay, go to school. He's going to school. And I said, uh, son, I'm not paying for no D's. He said, well, dad, I really just want to do heating and air. I said, well, I, you could save me $8,000. We could have been there. This, yeah. you know what I'm saying? So he got an HVAC. It's cool. It's still kind of hard uh, uh, being a father and, and the boss. It's hard because I talk crazy to my son, and he be taking it personally. I said, man, I talk crazy. Everybody work for me. You know what I'm saying? When they do something stupid. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it's kind of hard. Uh, and he have to learn to switch between me being his father and me being his boss. You know what I'm saying? Which is that. And one day, like, he wants to take the company over, which I hope it works out, because a lot of businesses don't make it past the second generation. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? A lot of business. But he wants to take the business over. And my daughter, too. They they have these big plans, what they want to do with it, and things like that, and that's cool. But I don't think I, I say this right here. I, I heard uh, this. I read a lot of uh, uh, self-help as far as leadership books. You're not successful until you can sit back and you see a lot of people gain from your success. You know what I'm saying? Until I look up and I got over 30 brothers, the have-nots working for me. Until I look up and I can send at least five brothers a year to trade school, I don't feel I'm successful. I feel I'm, I'm still shooting at that goal. I want to have at least 30 brothers. Then I can look back. I look like I got 30 brothers making drug dealer money. <laughs> yeah, That's what I call it, drug dealer money. And they ain't got to rob, they ain't got to kill. And they provide for their family. Then yo, then I feel I'm successful, and I and I still want to. I still send brothers to HVAC school. Uh, if I can send five brothers a year every year, that's my goal. And that's what I'm talking about, man. Because this is what this show is all about, and I'm glad to hear you say that because I know that's what you do. It's all about uplifting the brothers and the sisters as well, man. Because we have a hard ass time out here yeah. in the world, period, man. And what you call them, back porch negroes? You got stuff. What, what you call? What's... I call them back porch. Back porch negroes. For people don't want to understand, because every time I say that, I got a lot of family be like, "Ooh, you talking about me?" Well, if that's how you feel, what I'm Must saying, be cutting you. <laughs> what yeah, I'm saying yeah, yeah, is, yeah. back porch negro. Yeah, the house negro and the field negro. The field negro, he hated being in the field, right? The house negro, he was in the house, but at the same time, he thought he was better than the negroes in the field. So it's always a nigga leave out the field, leave out the house, sit on the porch, and complain about both, but he won't do nothing. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? He ain't going to try to run and get free. Well, you got to realize you're going to die anyway. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? You can die on the plantation or die trying to get free. Yeah. That's what we got to look at. So with me, I call, I came up with that term back porch negro because the fact is, like, yo, uh, I did not want to chop cotton anymore. I, I literally chopped cotton in Mississippi. You know what I'm saying? We lived on J.Y. Sally Plantation. He was the sheriff of Sunflower County accused of shooting Fane Lou Hamer. And I remember what he told my father between my ninth and 10th grade year. Oh, that little boy right there, he ain't got to go back to school. He's smart. I put him on a tractor. My daddy said, my son would never drive a tractor for you. My daddy said that. Now I'm saying my father was paralyzed, but that right there let me know that he wanted, my dad saw there was something better for me. You know what I'm saying? So, so when we look up, we moved to Cleveland. <laughs> you yeah. know what I'm we moved off the plantation to Cleveland, Mississippi. And that back porch uh, Negro syndrome is prevalent in my family. I love them, mm-hmm. but there's a lot of things. They scared. The same people told my business wasn't going to work. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. All right. The same people scared to leave their job, which they hate. But when I get around them, we looking 20 years later, they complain about their job. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like Cash, I used to tell Cash all the time, man, you are one of the most talented brother I ever seen. And you talking about Cash's, man, the owner of ISF Productions. Yes, one he one of the most talented brother. Off camera over there. All my projects is worth talking about. He had his stamp on. You know what I'm saying? So I tell people all the time, man, don't be scared. 
I mean, once you've been broke, what's broken and broke? Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> there is no broke, 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 broke. There is no level to broke. There ain't no like I'm broken than you. Yeah. We all broke. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Ain't, ain't no levels to it. Well, that's out that, that's that's outstanding. That's amazing, man. Outstanding conversation. Anything else you want to add, Mr. Pruitt, OP, Opox, Mr. Funny Man, before we get up out of here, man? Uh yeah, I hate doing that. I gotta plug myself. No, no, y'all follow plug me yourself, on, bro. Y'all follow me on social media, Oscar P. Funny. That's Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Uh August the seventh. August 7th, I will be having a Leo Bash hosted by one of my mentors in comedy, Funny Man Prescott. Uh, we got Glenn Jones and Memphis' own Tila performing. Y'all got a little Tila. I'm an old school hip-hop fan. I mean, I'm just saying, he from Whitehaven. I know Tila, man. It's Winston, man. He went to Havenview. He from the, he from the Haven, okay, man. Yeah, that's crazy. You know, it's, some, on, it's like two people that know everybody in Memphis. Everybody in Whitehaven know everybody in Whitehaven. And everybody on Orange Mound, everybody on Orange Mound. <laughs> no <laughs> doubt. No you, doubt. Know, you know Joe at the store? Yeah. yeah that, I know Joe. <laughs> Show <laughs> enough, man. Yeah. Tila, man. Yeah, yeah Tila's going to be there, man. It's going to be dope. Leo Bass is going to be dope, man. And every Thursday night, you can find me at Slice of Soul, 1299 Madison. I host one of the dopest comedy shows. And it's in a black-owned establishment, some of the best pizza in the region. Check it out. Slice of Soul. They got pizzas named after rap groups and... The Al Green's my favorite piece. Yeah, Al B. Green. I, I, mess with, Green. I mess with Slice of Soul about twice a, twice a month. Bro. That's what I'm talking about. That's what yeah, I'm talking man. about. The Pyramid Parmesan, no you know what I'm saying? You know, I don't mind giving them, giving them a shout out because I love their food, man. And we need we need platforms like this right here. Stop saying I support black business. Do business with black business. First, second, third, fifth, sixth. And start back over. And well said, man. <laughs> Appreciate you, Mr. Funny Man, O.P. Opox. That's going to do it for this episode of the Doc Holiday Show. As I said, man, it's all about positivity. It's all about uplift. Great conversations with the entrepreneur and the funny man and strong brother, man, because that's what this is all about. Thank you for watching this episode of the Doc Holiday Show. Until next week, I'm out. What you cooking, Mom? Yeah, brother.